welcome to the West Elk Word, community affairs here on KBUT Community Radio. I'm your host, Chad Rich. Today we have two guests here to discuss the Signal Peak Trails project near the Western State Campus. Jim Loveless is a recreation planner with the Bureau of Land Management who watches over this swath of earth, and Tim Kugler is the director of Gunnison Trails who put forth the proposal. We'll learn about the new project in just a moment. This hour of programming is underwritten by the Public Policy Forum of Crested Butte, bringing speakers to discuss local, national, and international issues on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. at the Center for the Arts. CrestedButteForum.org for a full list of speakers and topics. The Signal Peak area touches Gunnison on the northeast side of town. Earlier this week, I scoped the area on a mountain bike ride with Tim Kugler, the director of Gunnison Trails. Here's an excerpt from our ride where we stopped to talk about an old, eroded section of trail. All right, so right now we're standing in the first, uh, probably the first eighth of a mile of Chicken Scratch Trail on the descent. And we're kind of standing in the deepest head cut, which is basically where erosion water running downhill is uh, back cutting into the trail. And this is sort of of significance. The first time I rode this trail, the, the turn is a pretty sharp right-hand turn. You don't really see it coming because there's not great line of sight. And I uh, did not make the turn as I was hoping to, and I ended up going into the head cut at a, at a high rate of speed, stuck the landing in some sand, and went over the bars at probably one mile an hour, uh, much to the delight of my friends, um, and it was kind of embarrassing. But it's a great example of basically the erosive force of water out here where even though it's arid when we get some big rain events it can do some big damage to trail and a lot of these trails out here are like older cow trails that are going to be adopted into mountain biking running and horse trails and how are you guys going to deal with a lot of these old trails and turn them into new trails they're either cow trails or game trails this trail for example is basically a if you dropped a marble from the top of the drainage, it's going to roll down the trail. It's, it's right in the middle of the, of the drainage, and there's virtually no grade reversals or anything to get water off of the trail. So you get water that just picks up speed and, and goes you know, faster and faster down the trail. For Chicken Scratch, it's going to get completely uh, restored. So this trail is going to go away, and we're going to put it on a more sustainable alignment off to our west. This is the worst-case scenario. The other trails that are getting adopted into the system have more grade reversals built in. They're never in the fall line per se, the the top to bottom stretch of the trail. So um, while there's some erosion happening on other trails, it, it we can go back in and kind of fix them after the fact versus this trail, it'd be really difficult to do that. And there's another reason you want to get a lot of these trails out of the gullies besides just the water erosion, there's uh, sage grouse issues. Yeah, and this trail, if you ride it in the springtime after, uh, last year was a great example, after a pretty moist winter, there's a patch near the bottom that kind of stays wet for you know a month and a half, which again, Signal Peak, most of Signal Peak could be really dry, but you get to these sort of lush green patches. Uh, so this drainage in and of itself kind of holds a good bit of water. It can for a longer uh, chunk of time in the spring. So with some of the sort of restorative techniques that are out there, we could introduce, kind of spread out the water that comes rushing into this gully and, and hopefully create more of a wet environment for, for sage grouse brooding habitat. Should we go ride the rest of it? I'd love to. If you're just tuning in, this is the West Elk Word here on KBUT. I'm Chad Rich. We'll hear more from Tim Kugler and the role of Gunnison Trails on the Signal Peak Trail project later in the program. But to learn more about the project, I met with Jim Loveless in the Bureau of Land Management office in Gunnison. Jim, what was recently approved on the outskirts of Gunnison? Gunnison just got through a a planning process and uh, we've 
approved construction of a non-motorized trail system in the Signal Peak area, right outside of town. After a, a long public process and a couple of different alternatives, uh, we had a proposed action that we talked to the world about uh, back in 2017, kind of convened a group of cooperators, came up with a preferred alternative, scoped that preferred alternative uh, in early 2018, and that was what was ultimately decided. Why Signal Peak? Well, you know, Signal Peak is uh, public lands. Uh, it's right outside of Gunnison, uh, kind of right behind the college, right behind some neighborhoods, and right outside of city limits. People have visited Signal Peak to recreate ever since Gunnison has been around. Um, and if you if you look around out there on the landscape, you can you can see some evidence of that. People uh, uh, people driving around, hiking around, uh, riding bikes, using the trails, shooting. In a lot of cases, uh, there's a lot of hunting action that goes on in the Signal Peak area. When you ask why Signal Peak, it's it's just because it's right there. It's public lands, just kind of right in our backyard, and it always has been. You know, in, in fact, there's uh, evidence of human use in Signal Peak that goes back thousands of years when, when you look back at uh, um, kind of some of the cultural sites that we've identified in the Signal Peak area. And one thing that I kind of like to say is that uh, if you're in a place and it's a cool place to be now, it was probably a cool place to be 10,000 years ago as well. So that's kind of the case with Signal Peak too. Well, these decisions to develop trails on public lands and make kind of recreation areas don't happen in a vacuum. They go through a public process. So let's talk about the public process. Who were the various stakeholders involved as we talked about Signal Peak? And what were their positions as the original proposal went through the public process? A, a lot of different recreators have been recreating out in the Signal Peak area and really on all public lands for a long, long time. The Bureau of Land Management manages for multiple uses on the landscape. But um, also the actual multiple uses that are out there on the landscape as well. So cattle grazing operators that are out there, as well as sportsmen and folks who like to hunt out there. Even though those, those folks are recreators, they had a, a very specific opinion about a lot of things that uh, were proposed in that trail proposal. So one thing that we tried to keep in mind is, uh, you know, the perspectives of a lot of the different users that are out there on the landscape but also the relationship of that landscape and that area to our town and to our community. A lot of the folks who were interested in the Signal Peak planning process are, are folks that are in town who are interested in, you know, how is a trail system going to impact our way of life? How is it going to impact kind of our, uh, our community and our local economy? How is it going to affect wildlife and some of the traditional uses that have been out there on the landscape? So really, there were a lot of different folks that were interested in this project. What were some of the opinions of those folks who were less concerned about having a place to hike or ride a bike and more concerned about the wildlife and the conservation? It's hard for me to speak to anyone's opinion. If I could kind of paraphrase or, or kind of sum some things up, a lot of folks were concerned about the impacts that a trail system would have on big game. A lot of other folks were concerned about Gunnison sage grouse and uh, Gunnison sage grouse and how they would be impacted out there in the out there on the landscape. Folks were folks were interested in cultural resources and how cultural resources might be impacted out there on the landscape. So we really heard uh, kind of from a lot of different perspectives uh, as it relates to this trail plan. And is the final plan, which we call Alternative B, is this the result of compromise? 
I would say so, yeah. To kind of back up a little bit, this idea has been around in concept for quite a while, officially for BLM. This concept has been around at least since we were working on our travel management plan back in 2010. The travel management plan mentions that there are trails in the Signal Peak area and that there is uh, the travel management plan kind of introduced the concept of developing, I think the travel management plan said 20 to 25 miles of non-motorized single track trails in the Signal Peak area that would be open to hikers, horses, and mountain bikes. And why non-motorized in the Signal Peak area? There are a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is the soil types that are in the Signal Peak area. The soil types are kind of a clay uh, composite soil type that becomes really, really tough to use when it's wet. Motorized use on the road system and on the trail system has the potential to cause some impact to the trail system. A lot of the trails as they existed um, were kind of really tight and twisty. Um, Another thing that really kind of factored into a lot of the analysis was this kind of idea that biologists had termed the, the sphere of influence. So what that sphere of influence basically means is that if you start your afternoon recreational outing from a set point in town and you're on foot, your sphere of influence on foot only goes out a certain uh, number of miles before you naturally have to make your way back to where you started. On a mountain bike, that sphere of influence is a little bit greater. Uh, You get to go out a little bit farther before you come back. From a motorized perspective, uh, you can go pretty far uh, before you actually have to come back. So from a wildlife perspective, that sphere of influence concept really relates to human beings and our potential to interact with wildlife, depending on how far we can go. So in the case of motorized use, there's a pretty big road network in the Signal Peak area that does see um, some motorized use, uh, you know, particularly as, as kind of a connector to broader points on the landscape. That would not change at all. So none of the existing motorized opportunities that are there in Signal Peak are going to go away. Essentially, based on what our planning documents say, the travel management plan, um, we were able to kind of uh, consider uh, non-motorized trails in addition to those motorized opportunities. Was Signal Peak in the whole process, was it contentious? That's a good question. People have differences of opinion on uh, lots of things these days. There were um, definitely a lot of concerns that folks had that it was important that BLM heard those concerns and that we were able to consider those concerns kind of in our planning process. So there were differences of opinion, but I think that at the end of the day, um, um, folks have a lot more in common than, than might be readily apparent. I think that at the end of the day, um, most of the people who engaged in this planning process love the Signal Peak area. They're passionate about it in in one way, shape, or form. You know, no one wants to see their their recreational pursuit be affected, um, especially as it favors one over the other. When you asked if we strove for compromise, uh, we absolutely did. And uh, we absolutely have to in cases like this. We try to plan for multiple uses out there on the landscape. So um, the preferred alternative uh, is an attempt uh, by BLM and by our cooperators to try to craft a compromise so that everybody could uh, everybody could have something. 
uh, plenty of letters to the paper referenced the area as a wintering habitat for big game because it's largely south-facing. It's kind of out of the snow zone. How did the wintering habitat play into the decision to close certain areas at certain times or whatnot? Because to my understanding, there are places at Signal Peak that even if they are dry and open, they'll be closed to humans during certain times of the year. How did uh, some of these closures come about? As, as our analysis played out, um, one thing that became apparent is that the, the, the area has a lot of wintering big game use during the winter months. As snow piles up at higher elevations, these animals, whether they're uh, mule deer or elk, um, find access to food difficult at higher elevations. Um, they kind of get pushed lower and lower and lower as that snow kind of continues to pile up, particularly when we have one big snow event here. Um, you'll see a lot of animals show up on their winter range uh, virtually overnight. At least that's what it seems like to a lot of folks here in town. So um, those those animals uh, kind of wind up on those sunnier south-facing aspects where the snow is a little bit shallower. And uh, those animals are literally hanging out throughout the winter, just kind of trying to survive. So in that situation, um, when your access to food is pretty limited, um, you're trying to burn as few calories as you possibly can. And, uh, you know, you're just kind of trying to hang out and hang on. When people kind of emerge on that landscape and, uh, you know, I show up for my morning run or whatever, those animals are hanging out there depending on a little bit of solitude and a little bit of refuge. I'm going to cause some kind of a, a reaction from those animals. And a lot of times that causes them to run from me. Running from me as a recreator is going to burn calories and uh, put them in a situation where they're going to have to make that deficit up. And unfortunately, um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the winters here in the Gunnison Valley, um, those opportunities to make up those calories are kind of few and far between. So protecting that big game winter habitat is uh, extremely important to ensuring that uh, these animals have a good chance at, at making it through the winter. So there's the winter, but then there's the spring as well. And, and you had specifically mentioned when the area is quote open, um, when, the, when the snow is gone. So it's during that period when the snow is gone, that is kind of the toughest period for us because, uh, just as it's a challenge for wintering animals to get through the Gunnison winter, it can be a challenge for a lot of us as well. And, you know, by the time that springtime rolls around and we've finally got dry ground um, out there, a lot of us are dealing with a, a huge case of cabin fever and we want to get out there too. A lot of the wintering animals that are still on that landscape are a waiting for snows to melt at higher elevations so that they can make their move back to their summer range and b a lot of them are still in that recovery mode for for mule deer in particular they're they're literally changing their diet um their um their their bodies go through a physiological change throughout the winter where um they don't have access to grass so they're not eating grass anymore during the winter they're eating um uh, woody material and, and buds off of shrubs and things like that. They're, they're really eating whatever they can. So um, mule deer in particular during the winter months, they, they literally physically can't eat grass. So a lot of times during the spring, they're going through that physiological change where they're adapting their digestive system back to eating grass. And that takes some time. Um, so 
during that amount of time, um, again, that avoiding that disturbance, avoiding that caloric burn, um, avoiding that, that fight or flight kind of response um, is pretty key, particularly when you're thinking about animals that are pregnant and uh, that are uh, you know, trying to successfully have some young um, that are out there on the on the landscape, um, yeah, it becomes it becomes a really important time for us to kind of let these natural processes happen, and you know, for us to take some personal responsibility to to give these animals some space. It's the same reason the Almont Triangle is closed when it's closed. Absolutely great. Um, what about sage grouse? This looks like prime sage grouse habitat. So. How do closures in sage grouse play into each other? For sage grouse, springtime is their breeding time. Um, sage grouse breed in areas called leks. As it so happens, these leks generally kind of tend to occur in areas that um, are a little bit higher in elevation, that are kind of open. In particular, there's one lek that's located uh, in an area that's fairly close to town that despite some voluntary closures up in the Signal Peak area, asking folks to stay out of the lek before 9 a.m., numbers on that lek have kind of continued to decline. So numbers of sage grouse on that lek have kind of continued to decline over the years. It was felt by our cooperators and by uh, our resource specialists here with BLM that um, asking people to stay out of that lecking area during that lecking season from March 15th to May 15th gave the Gunnison sage grouse the best possible chance of being able to successfully reproduce. So it seems like what makes Signal Peak seem like a really attractive trail proposal, hey, it's going to dry out early and we can get out there and beat our cabin fever, like you said, the same time there is something that's going to keep us from accessing those lands. And you know what? That's okay. And that's part of the compromise. If we're in a place that's that's cool to us, it was probably cool to people 10,000 years ago. It's probably also pretty valuable to wildlife in a lot of cases as well. And I think sometimes we forget how lucky we are to access public lands right on the edge of town too. Right. Thanks for speaking with us today, Jim. My pleasure. Support for KBUT is brought to you by Townie Books and Rumors Coffee and Tea House, serving Allegro organic coffee and fine loose-leaf teas. Townie Books stocks new books and can special order anything. Drink coffee, read books, fight evil. Tim Kugler is the director of Gunnison Trails. The organization is working on developing trails behind Western State Colorado University at an area called Signal Peak. We're here today to talk about the new project. Tim, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the big picture. What does putting new bike trails do for the mountain bike scene in Gunnison? I would start by saying new trails obviously are exciting for the mountain bike scene, but um, a lot of what Signal Peak has to offer is really for any trail users. So whether you're going up there to walk your dog or getting a quick one hour run in uh, on your lunch break, or if you want to go for a three hour ride, uh, Signal Peak offers trails that pretty much come right down to, to the city of Gunnison. So proximity would be the, the number one hallmark of, of the Signal Peak trail system. Hartman Rocks is what, four miles away, three miles away? A little away? over three miles, yeah. So Signal Peak is something you can access by bike from town without even using a car. Bingo. And if you, you know, if I have one hour that I'd love to go get some exercise real quick, probably not going to spend 15 minutes driving to Hartman's and then 15 minutes driving back. And I'm certainly not going to be riding out there because by the time you get out there and then come back to town, you had all of 20 minutes to, to ride on the trail. So Signal Peak is great in that it's just super accessible for anyone. So what's been approved? about a little over seven miles of sort of 
existing trails that have been used for a long time that got uh, kind of adopted into the system and then an additional um, oh 20 ish miles of trail uh, both new and and part of those existing trails that I just um, that I just mentioned those sort of got approved into this signal peak trail master plan how will these get built who's gonna do it terrific question Gunnison trails is going to kind of be leading the charge on uh, both trail alignment and construction so many of the routes that are sort of in this plan uh, have gone through what's called an environmental assessment they still need to get archaeological clearance some clearance for species on the ground so uh, various uh, plant species just to make sure our alignments aren't going through sensitive areas but the but the corridors where those trails are going to go sort of the broad picture of where those trails are going to go has been approved and then when it comes to actually fine point alignment, Gunnison Trails is going to spearheading that. And then um, when it actually comes to like the, the physical labor of building it, hopefully we're going to be relying on volunteers, uh, our paid trail crew, try and raise funds to uh, grow our trail crew so that we can actually have some paid workers out there doing some of the more difficult work. Whether that's uh, we use volunteers to kind of cut in a rough alignment and then our paid trail crew really makes it sort of buff and, and ride or run nicely, but it'll be a whole combination of, of factors to get that trail system built. Well, this trail system is based right by Western State, which already has a pretty robust recreation program. They do. Did you have any interaction with the university as you were proposing these trails, and what did the university seem to say as you said, hey, we'd like to build 20-some miles of trails? right by your campus. Western's been, pretty much since Gunnison Trail started in 2008, Western's always been a super strong partner and that kind of goes hand in hand with just how, you know, trails benefit obviously a, a educational institution that's trying to get students to move to this valley. Trails are sort of a big selling point. So they've always been huge when it comes to supporting our, our growler, our, our big fundraising race that we put on, uh, and then just the work that we do. For Signal Peak, they are going to be, um, they're actually going after some funding to build a new um, sort of trailhead, so basically the entrance to that system. So if you have the base area at Hartman Rocks that has bathrooms and a big parking lot uh, and those kind of amenities that I think we often take for granted, Western's sort of spearheading that that main trailhead. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, they've certainly, from the, from the outset, they've written some pretty strong letters of support for our, our trail plan. So when we were going through that public comment period with the BLM, Western was very upfront in saying that they supported additional trail trail establishment in, in Signal Peak. Tim, when did you become the director of Gunnison Trails? Uh, May of 2017. But before that, you were in the Master of Environmental Management program at the college. That's correct. So becoming the director of Gunnison Trails, your first big project is Signal Peak. You couldn't write that story better, really. I mean, it's it's uh, for me, it's been uh, you know, I moved here for the kind of trails that you have at Hartman Rocks or say up in Crested Butte, some of the more technical or sort of backcountry trails that we're sort of known for as being this mountain biking mecca. And uh, what's really rewarding is to now be working on a trail system that I don't think there's we're necessarily looking to recreate Hartman Rocks behind signal, but it's more. Um, I think it's going to be really important for students. I was when I went to school in Virginia. The trails that I used were the ones that were literally fifteen minutes um, or, or five minutes behind my dorm. They weren't great trails, but they allowed me to get away from the stress that you have in college for an hour to go play in the woods. And for me to be able to kind of spearhead this this project, or for Gunnison Trails, I should say, is really rewarding because I think students are going to use use these trails a ton for for every day. 
Did your work in the Masters of Environmental Management program have anything to do with trails, public lands, working with agencies and stakeholders? My focus was sort of sort of on the recreation side of things, and I ended up drafting a trail, sort of a, a master trail plan for the county. So there's currently a, a trail plan out there, but it's kind of aging, and then you have all these new initiatives coming along with the likes of Gunnison Trails having a few proposals, and the Crested Butte Mountain Bike Association has their own master plan. And the thought behind my work was how do we combine all of these trail plans so that we don't have four disparate groups coming to the Forest Service saying, hey, I want a trail here or I want a trail here, but rather can we get it all put into one large document that the county can kind of sign off on and that kind of gives it a little bit more of a, a force and some legitimacy in the, in the eyes of the agencies that are actually making the final decisions on these trail plans. So we hear a lot about the Crest Butte Conservation Corps. They're a trail crew in the north end of the valley, but there's also a trail crew that uh, is sponsored by Gunnison Trails. Can you talk about the projects your trail crew works on? We're now in our third summer. Our name is the is the Gunnison Trails Youth Trail Crew, and the whole impetus behind it was basically twofold. You constantly hear the, the agencies are lacking funding for any sort of recreational, um, or, or they have limited funding for sort of recreational work. So trail work in areas that are sort of outlying, that they're trails that maybe don't get as much use as 401 or Reno Flag Bear Dead Man's but they, you don't want them to fall into disrepair. So one solution to that was, can we have a funded local trail crew that can go out there and do this work that maybe the agencies can't, uh, can't keep up with or don't have the funding anymore for? And then our approach was, uh, the second aspect was, wouldn't it be cool to have local jobs for, you know, to be able to pay some local youth to actually go out and do this work? So out of that idea sprung our youth corps in 20. 16, 2016, and I was actually the trail crew leader for that first summer, and we worked, 99% of our work was out at Hartman Rock, so an area that we've always done a ton of work on. We're getting to a point now between the BLM, they have a, an OHB crew and that gets funded through basically um, when you register your, your moto or your, your uh, UTV. Uh, some of those funds go back to fund these uh, agency crews that go out and work on these motorized trail systems. So between the work of the BLM and then our youth crew, Hartman's is now riding better than it ever has. And so as we started to see the work out there, there's certainly work to be done at the beginning of the season when the snow melts and, and winter and, and spring is just kind of arriving, you know, and after a month or two, the work out there, there's not a lot to do. So we've been able to kind of extend our reach beyond what we've traditionally, where we've traditionally worked. So this year, for instance, we've done uh, three days up on the Colorado Trail on along Highway 114. Uh, we've worked on the Agate Creek Trail over on the Continental Divide. We've worked on uh, Dr. Park Trail for four days. The crew is up on Block and Tackle up the Cement Creek drainage. We're going into the West Elk Wilderness. So we're not necessarily working just on mountain bike trails, for instance, but we're working on wilderness trails. We're, and, and what's kind of fun is, you know, we work closely with the Forest Service and BLM, but they've also, they know the style of our work. They know how we work and that we do sustainable work. We're not just out there kind of we're not hacks. We're, it's not like this is the first time we've ever done this. So they trust that we're going to go out there and do work that's up to their standards, and they give us the green light to to go do some of these projects, um, which is really rewarding for us. Will your trail crew be working with the general public on a trail day or two in the next couple years on the Signal Peak project? Yeah, we have um, some things in the pipe for this uh, fall. We're hoping to get basically an alignment done for a trail called Chicken Scratch, which is a historic trail that's that was one of those user-created routes that that one's kind of a tricky one. The, the route itself got adopted into the system, but under the pretense that it's going to get completely restored and moved to a new location. So 
Uh, that trail we're hoping to get built this fall with a, a big volunteer work day or volunteer weekend. Uh, and then similarly, we're also hoping to construct a new trail off of uh, a, another trail that was adopted called Music Rocks and kind of have a, a decent exit for that to get back into the greater trail system. Um, so those are sort of our two big projects. And yes, those will be volunteer days. Um, I'd say stay tuned to either our Facebook page or our website and we'll have, uh, we'll have info out on when to show up for those. Well, it sounds like you have plenty going on in the world of trail work here in Gunnison. Tim, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for chatting with me. And that's our episode of the West Elk Word focused on the Signal Peak Trail Project. To hear this program again, head to kbut.org and click on West Elk Word under the Programs tab. For the West Elk Word, I'm Chad Rich, and we'll see you out there.